Well, good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 247 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. It's me, Pete DeMeo, again with Travel Boom. I'm so glad that you join us for yet another episode. And I have one question for you. Do you want to double your website's conversion rate? Because that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to go through about seven different strategies that are really going to help your hotel be the powerhouse that it should be. But so let's go ahead and get this show started. So we, we, I can't do this alone, and I'm super excited, but so before we get the show underway, we've got both Jeremy and Alyssa joining us again. Hey, guys. Howdy. Hey. You say howdy, I say hey. What song is that from? There's a song that goes, howdy, hey. I don't know. Maybe I'm showing <laughs> Conversation. Somebody knows about this song. Anyway, what's new with you guys? It's a, We're recording on a, on a Friday morning, so there's no wine glasses or anything, unfortunately. Anything new and exciting, Alyssa? I know that your children are angry with you for doing laundry. Yeah, I just Googled it. It's Beastie Boys. I knew it was. Yeah, okay. Because you. you say hi, I say howdy. I, I don't think we can play it due to uh <laughs> Probably <and whatnot>. not. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to it there. But they're not here. To, everyone's not here to listen to us talk about Beastie Boys. They're here to talk about uh, seven ways to double your hotel's conversion rate. This is actually an episode that we had done several years ago. And I thought it was time that we kind of dust it off, modernize it a little bit, because there are some different ways that hotels can succeed and do a better job on their their website. What it comes down to is if you're spending a ton of money driving traffic to your website, you need to stop and decide if this mousetrap that you built is actually doing the best job it can. If you're losing a little bit of conversion here, a little bit of conversion there, you end up losing thousands and thousands of dollars one in the investment that you made into it, but more importantly in the fact that people are choosing other properties to stay at because your hotel is really just not up to speed in terms of its web presence. So that's what we got on the docket today. But before that we do that, we have something that's even more exciting. We have our new news intro. It's the news with Alyssa. Oh, you're on mute. That's we. So we had a conversation last week that Alyssa was making a lot Sorry. of random noises. <laughs> so I said every time that you have to burp and you know, I didn't throw stuff burp. against the wall. <laughs> Honestly, so burping is one of the things I do best. I don't believe you. I, I'd have to hear it. All right, off recording. <laughs> I'll definitely do it. So, so there you go. Uh, if we had a Patreon, that could be like one of those things. Like if you want to sign up for our, you know, five ninety nine a month travel boom insiders, you can hear Alyssa burp. <laughs> that would make it weird. <laughs> All right. So, so we won't do that, but we will do the news. All right. This week's news item is from Skift. They did some research conducting an extensive data scraping of Google Hotels platform. Um, and they came away with three key insights, which we kind of already knew, but it's pretty cool to see the data to back it up. The first key insight was that paid sponsored listings are dominated by the largest OTAs. And you can see in their graph, and we'll link up the article in the show notes, uh, that 
large OTAs like Booking, Expedia, Hotels.com, and Priceline are outbidding hotels in most cases. So they are kind of taking the lead in the sponsored section. So, you know, MetaSearch. Um, and then the key insight too is that the introduction of those organic results below that area is allowing the hotels, you know, more opportunity to compete head on with those major OTAs. Um, and that third key insight is that Google is favoring the independent hotel in the organic listing. So I think they kind of understand that the OTAs have more budget to play with and that they are dominating that paid space. Um, and, you know, we see this when we run meta search campaigns for specific clients. Um, and you can see, you know, are they beating us from an impression share perspective monthly? And how can we make changes to our campaigns to show in that space and, and really compete? This is a big one for me. I, we've, we've talked about so many times that you know, the search result page really is a three-legged stool of paid search, organic search, and meta search. And making sure that you do have a strong presence in all three, in my mind, it's, it's, it's critical. You're not going to be able to drive as much business as you possibly can if you don't have that in place. Furthermore, these are typically going to be searches for your hotel's brand. Meaning if someone searches for, you know, quaint hotel in London.com or that website, they're going to see Expedia, booking.com, Priceline, all those other properties ahead of yours selling your property. So I think it's so, so important that yeah. hotels get and on And they're the not only going to see you ahead of them, but we've kind of talked a lot about loyalty programs and how the OTAs have more power to create a better loyalty program. So if they're top and they're offering, uh, you know, better incentives, why not book with the OTA if you're mm -hmm. not really competing up there? I think as well also that, you know, most independent hoteliers obviously are not going to have the budget, like we said, to you know, outbid larger OTAs like booking.com and expedia.com. But I think it's more so about being strategic at least one thing being present, um, having that rate feed available so that you are showing up in the organic res organic results, because obviously Google is favoring uh, the direct website and those results. But also just whenever you are competing in the paid in the paid space is being strategic. Obviously, we're not going to you're not likely not going to have the budget to compete with the big OTAs, but you can be strategic about it um, and, you know, make sure that you're showing in that paid space at the right time or when you think it's going to be the right time or where you think you can outcompete those OTAs. Well, it's crazy when you look at how many independent hotels don't even have the feed set up. And I think that's where this data might be skewed a little bit because obviously booking Expedia hotels, Priceline and the laundry list of OTAs that are below those tier, that tier, they've been in that space for a long time. So they've kind of got it all figured out. But when we're talking to a new client, it's crazy how many either do have a feed set up. So they have their organic listing, but the rate is way out of parity, which is not going to be helpful for you. Uh, or they don't have it at all. And it's just an entire one third of the search results page that they're just giving to the OTAs on their brand, which to me is crazy. So if you don't have your meta strategy, meta search strategy set up, dude, you've got to get that done you know, early, as soon as you possibly can, 
and by 2024 when the booking season for tourism picks back up you need to be in place to to make that happen yeah how long until we think google is just a two column page like top to bottom (laughs) it's just going to continue to get longer and longer on the right side yeah And, and all that stuff pushes your organic down and I think you know, organic is still incredibly important. Organic search, I say, is incredibly important. But you better have paid search, PPC and meta search in place, particularly from a mobile perspective, where they're pushing down any free opportunities anymore. It's crazy. All right. Well, that's a good news item. So check that out. It is at skiff.com. And it's, the title is Google Reshapes Hotel Distribution, Three Key Insights which you can link to in the show notes. And I didn't talk about it before, but if you want those show notes, you probably want to know how to get to them. All you have to do is go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast and click on episode 247. We're going to have this link there as well as everything we're going to be talking about today because what we're talking about is seven specific ways that you can double your hotel's conversion rate. And Alyssa, I know how you love it when I talk about specific return on investments. I'm guaranteeing everybody listening that they can double their conversion rate. What do you think? Is that fair? I'm hesitant. You can't yeah. put me on the spot if you're making me mute my mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you can unmute your mic. He's got Let's ask Jeremy. He's an a unbiased third party here who usually sides with me. <laughs> I would say don't move me into what Pete says. To the guarantees that Pete is throwing out. What if their conversion rate is already good? You're still going to double it? I still think you can. You may not be able to double it, but I think you can definitely 50% it. So where this comes from is when we're doing our you know, proposals and things like that, you know, I like to look at what our, our best performing clients are doing and use those as case studies. But Alyssa's always like, no, everybody can't get that necessarily. Well, everybody's but. different. Everybody's demographic is, is different. Everybody's booking engine is different. Everybody's website is different. Mm-hmm. But you know, they all have similar things that I, I think that's one nice part about being in the hotel industry, other than like a broad e-com sector where you have a billion products. The reality is, is we're selling rooms, we're selling experiences, we're selling memories. And what that means is that we can kind of have a more formulaic approach to optimizing that site and that conversion funnel, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So we got seven items. Every one of these are things that you can do literally immediately. And many of them are actually at little to no cost to, to yourself other than time. So we're going to split that up. We're going to do the one, 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 one kind of thing. And Jeremy, you got the short straw. So you're doing the very first one. So number one, 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 one. Number one is speed kills or the lack of speed kills. Um, So your potential guests and search engines demand a blazing fast website. Um, So if you are failing your Google Lighthouse metrics, you will see a higher abandonment rates and lower conversion rates. Yeah, I I think that's a... When you look at the the main factors, and and Jeremy, I just kind of dig into this more, but if, if your site is not crushing it in terms of Google Lighthouse scores, you're not going to be one ranking where you need to rank, but then two people will bail out on your site if it's not loading super fast. Right. So 
obviously first step is to test your website and you can do that with Lighthouse, Google Lighthouse or uh, with their page speed report. And that typically provides you with enough information or a good bit of information on where to start in terms of improving your website speeds and your core web vitals. Um, and then secondly, once you get those results, optimize based on those results. So typically a lot of times that's going to include your image sizing, um, reducing unnecessary code um, and deferring page elements until those are actually needed. Um, <clears throat> and then, you know, I think one of the big things that we've seen really has, has worked um, is considering a headless website. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, Pete, if you have anything. No, I mean, I think I had a really cool conversation last week with a client where we were talking about, they had some poor page speed performance numbers, uh, particularly in Lighthouse. And if you want to see yours, you could, uh, Jeremy, what's the link for the insights for them to run their site? It is pagespeed.web.dev. Yes, you can go there, or if you just pull up your website, you right-click and hit inspect if you're in Chrome. And one of the items are on that little dashboard that pops up, says Lighthouse. You just hit that and hit analyze, and it will give you this, these numbers as well. But we're having this really cool conversation with the client. We're saying, okay, wait a minute. If you were to only look at your website and minimize everything else that's on there, you know, is it worth having less and less stuff on your website? to favor performance if it in testing that to see how how does a minimalist website compare to a you know all the bells and whistles type website in terms of getting consumers right where they need to be because uh, if, if you have a beautiful website but it's so slow that people can't use it how valuable is that really other than the the vanity metric of hey everybody look at my cool website but yes yeah, so i think that's the very first one that i think everybody needs to do it doesn't cost any money you run your lighthouse report or your page speed insights. You see what your problems are. And then you take that either to your web development team or if your agency is on it, like we are at Travel Boom, we'll take this to you and say, hey, look at all these things that we need to fix. And then you, you get on it to, to make it perform better and better and better. Uh, doing that alone will absolutely improve your site conversion rate. 16.5% uh, better is my guess. Right, Alyssa? Are we keeping a tally? We probably should have. I, I think right, if we plan this podcast 5. better. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you, you keep the tally. Let's see how good see your math is, is by yeah. the end. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the next one we have, which is number two, 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 is get your CTAs where the guests will actually see them. And, and what I'm talking about here is your, your call to actions. So yeah, we see this so often when we have a new client come on board with their existing website is they may have a beautiful website. They may have all those great navigation and, you know, accommodation features and news and client or customer testimonials. But when you look at the site, say, let's using Microsoft Clarity, which again, free service, everybody should drop in that little snippet of code on their website so they can see exactly how people are using your website. They have a really cool feature, which is called a scroll map. Kind of like a heat map, but it actually shows where people are getting to on the page as they scroll down. And more often than not, people are barely making it past the quote unquote fold of your website. So they'll see the main navigation, your main promotional graphic type thing, and hopefully a book now link. 
But as you scroll down the page, all that stuff that you think is so important, in a vast majority of the cases, nobody's ever seeing. So I would say, look at those scroll maps. Again, Microsoft Clarity is awesome. And what you might find is those calls to action are not even visible. So if you take take that information, you think about how you could restructure your website, maybe go into a little bit of testing, which we'll talk about, and move those calls to action to the very top, you will definitely see an improvement conversion rate. And that's not just on the homepage either. That's going to be on all pages. You know, look at your accommodations details page. What does a, a room page look like? And do you have a booking widget on that page? Do, do you have a call to action on the photo gallery that says, hey, you like these pictures? Click here to book this room. If you're not doing those kind of things and those calls to action aren't where they're going to see them, you're doing all this work for nothing. You got to ask for the sale because jump over to booking.com or Expedia or any other OTA, they're asking for the booking nonstop. And I think it's on the individual hoteliers to do that on the, the website as well. I'd say even going past CTAs, um, Microsoft Clarity is also good for looking at you know, dead clicks, rage clicks, finding spots or places on your website where people are clicking, where they expect to be sent somewhere, but it's not happening. Um, and I think you'd be surprised or even not surprised how many people, I think a common one is how many people click an image, like a room image or something on a website, and it just ends up being a dead click and they don't end up going anywhere. Um, those are other types of opportunities that, you know, you're continuing to send them down the funnel or give them the information that they're looking yeah, for. Yeah, or if, if something is formatted to look like it might be clickable as far as design goes, like sometimes people put a box around something, uh, but it's just part of the design, uh, that is just a failure. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's, it happens all the time. I think that's, that's one of those things, you know, with Clarity that really does a good job of showing those rage clicks and dead clicks and, and all those other things, because if, if a consumer thinks it will do something, well, the consumer's always right. So make sure it does the thing that they think it's going to do. So, but and I think that kind of goes back to lastly is where you know, we talked about would a simplified homepage work well from a speed perspective. This kind of backs that up. You know, if you had just, and I'm not saying do this, simple raw HTML text on a white background underneath where people start seeing the website, is that going to be enough to be great from a search perspective, but make the site so freaking fast that consumers can find it fast, search engines can index it fast, and people can get to that booking engine fast? I don't know. All right. What's your percentage? That one, to me, that's a big one. I'm going to say that is 23.5%. Four one percent. All right, noted. Grown us to fifty, and right. we've only gotten through two. Uh, okay, <laughs> but we give people extra percentages. All right. So what's number yeah. three, 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 three? So this kind of goes hand in hand with moving your CTAs to where people will see them, uh, making every page an entrance to the conversion funnel. So. Number one, obviously, we just talked about making sure people can see the calls to action, but do the calls to action make sense? Um, in most cases, the homepage will be the top landing page every single month. However, there are a lot of other landing pages that people 
might not consider um, as top landing pages, such as the rooms page or the special offers page, or even in some cases we see blogs as a top landing page and maybe not from revenue, but from a sessions perspective, you know, we've even seen those compete with the homepage from a number of sessions perspective from month to month. So are those pages optimized for booking? Or, you know, if your goal isn't booking, is there some other type of call to action there? If there is, for example, a blog about a specific event that is happening in your area um, that could potentially bring visitors in, maybe they're not ready to book, but at least give them the opportunity to book. You can make sure that there is a call to action on that blog that says, you know, hey, we're offering a a special during this event that's happening that we just wrote about that you searched for and clicked through and landed on. Or from a room's perspective, is there more information about that room that you can kind of push them further down the funnel prior to just dumping them in the booking engine? Um, Is there a gallery that you can link to? Even pages such as the cancellation policy, privacy policy, FAQ pages, you know, those aren't necessarily pages that convert as a landing page perspective, but it's not to say that we haven't seen it. So making sure that there is a call to action on that page, that it is the correct call to action. Um, So whether it's a form, and, and you can be, you know, creative with your calls to action. They don't all have to say book now. They don't all have to say submit. Um, You can, or learn more or whatever it is, read more. You can get a little bit more creative and say, you know, explore this room type or book this room type or just much more specific uh, for the user to know where they're going and to land where they need to be in order to make the booking. Yeah. It's all about removing dead ends. Just, I mean, even if it's not, even if they aren't looking to book, maybe if they did land in an article, like Alyssa mentioned, that, um, you know, it's at least providing somewhere else to go or push them somewhere else further down the funnel or giving them more information that they might be looking for or to say, like, if it's another blog article of a similar topic or another event, of a similar event, it's all about pushing them down to or pushing them further down the funnel. And as your site becomes more popular and people are linking to it and whatnot, you really can't control how they enter that site. So if you're only looking at it in terms of the homepage, well, that's the thing where you're pulling people in. You're sending out an ad, you're doing an email, whatever it might be, driving them to the homepage. If you have a great SEO campaign running and you have phenomenal content out there or you have a great social presence where people are linking to photo galleries or whatever it might be, if you don't know where they're coming from or coming into the website, every piece of that website has to be acting as if it was the homepage to put your best foot forward for your uh, conversion funnel. Are you ready to jump on a number? Go ahead, Alyssa. I was going to give an example. So we were recently looking at some September search data, and there was a blog post about rainy day activities in the particular city. that blog post generated six clicks in 2022. For the same time period, it generated nearly 30,000 impressions and 2,500 organic clicks during the month of September in 2023. Um, 
So that article obviously increased in rankings, but behind the homepage, it was the top landing page for the month. So taking a look at the actual post and saying, okay, maybe that query isn't going to bring in a booking, but how can we tweak the call to action on that page to make it more useful for us? Can we have someone sign, say, hey, do you want even more things to do on a rainy day? give us your email address, then they're part of our database, then we can market to them. If there's enough traffic to that page, 2,500 is a lot. If everyone, maybe not everyone, even half the people gave us their email address and we put them in a segment, we could target them with specific information moving forward. Um, So again, just being creative in, in what your calls to action are, even if they're not booking. Yeah. So if you don't know where your top landing pages are, Good thing is that's really easy. Just you open up your analytics, look at your landing page reports and see where people are entering or entrance pages. And that will tell you where to start from. You know, sort from high to low and then you kind of already have a nice prioritized list of pages that you need to make sure are working well. All right. So number four, 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 four. Test your site with real users to find the roadblocks to revenue. Um, So user testing can lead to phenomenal insights that you might miss because you're too close to your site. So you see your site every day and I mean, you're not the typical customer that's going to be looking at your site, looking to book. So it's always good to have real users look at your website. Um, Travel Boom uses several systems to help clients identify conversion roadblocks. And this cost effective strategy always delivers hidden opportunities for conversion rate improvement. You know, it's going to, I think there's that difference between qualitative and quantitative. And I always screw these two up, but qualitative is the, the data that you collect that will lead you to interpret opportunities. Whereas the quantitative is where it's actually this produced X percent more in conversions and revenue, whatever it might be. So user testing is going to be very qualitative data. But what it does is it gives you the opportunity to, Jeremy, like you said, get away from your website and see how someone's going through that process and the little stupid things that they may run into that confuse them. And you can see that and make a list of them. And then, bam, you have a list of tons of A-B tests that you can run, little things you can improve. And a lot of times it's going to be something that you notice, like someone's clicking, like Jeremy, like you mentioned earlier about rage clicks and dead clicks. You may see everybody's clicking on the picture of a room on your room index page, but that doesn't go to the room details page. You have to click on the title. That happens a lot of times. You'll see that right away. You're like, okay, cool. I don't even need to A-B test this. I can just go ahead and fix this problem because if I'm testing with five or 10 people and all of them have that problem, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good sample size to say that you got a bug or something that you need to fix. Yeah, and it's best to be as clear as possible with your prompt and your instructions and what you're trying to get these you know, real world users to do whenever they're visiting your website and to test your site. Um, you know, we don't want to just say, visit my site and, you know, have some fun. We want, you want to provide instructions to what they should be doing. You know, we, you're this type of traveler. Um, you want to make a booking during this time of year, or you're looking for this information and then you set them off to your website and then they go through that process and, you know, from what we have seen through the uh, system that we use, it is extremely helpful. I mean, we you can see the notes that users provide based on you know the actions that they're taking or based on the instructions that have been given. Um, and it's at, and 
like Pete mentioned, five to 10 users. I mean, that's plenty enough size or sample size to get an idea of, you know, where the pit, where your pitfalls are on your website. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a pretty easy process. We're here to help with that. So you know, if you have a you know, question or you have a comment or you're just trying to figure out a better way to, to do some basic user testing, you know, if you hit us up, you know, at travelboommarketing.com or, you know, via email or however you like to do that, we can look at, to, at that for you and help out a whole bunch because it is a good first step after you've done your basic speed optimizations and things like that to, to improve your conversion rate. It, it's going to get you about 12.5%. That's my guess. I think we missed the last one. Let's see, I did... Uh, We're over yeah. 50, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we are well yeah, over 15, Pete. We had speed kills, that was like 12%, We right? skipped mine. We skipped number... Oh, number three. Number three. three. Oh, number three, that was a... Oh, that's a big one, too. That's an 18 percenter. Oh, my gosh. Are we over 100% yet? <laughs> Getting close. Guys, you're going to be able to convert 100% of site visitors after this episode. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It's okay because this is improving your site conversion rate. So you can improve something by 200%. I think we'll be okay. <laughs> because I mean, just make, just make the promise. Every single person that comes to the site is going to make a booking. Yeah. When you, if you when implement you these changes. <laughs> and you can reach out to Pete.Demeo at for your concerns and... Anger. Yeah, we have a cell phone number if you need it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> address. Well, good news though. So, on, the next one we're gonna be talking about it's going to immediately add about seven percent to their conversion rate as well. It's low. That that's the lowest number. one so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting nervous though. I'm having to pull back a little bit. So anyway, this is number five 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 five. Anticipate and address your guests' concerns and questions before they even have a chance to bring them up. To me, this is the nice part about being a hotelier is you know typically what the problems that people are going to have. One, because you are a hotelier and you're paying attention to your guest needs, which means your front desk staff is going to realize that everybody asks, when does the bar open up? What time is happy hour? When is the pool open? Those kind of questions like that. Those are great things to create an amazing FAQ section on your website and not just on the FAQ page, but throughout the entire site. So I love that a, your a first room... thought was happy hour. What well, is happy hour? Because usually we're recording this when it's closer to happy hour. I know. We have alcohol in the brain. I know. It's, uh, it's 1220 right now, so <laughs> it's getting close to lunchtime. Check-in ch- check time, check-out time, and where is the booze? Those are the yeah, top exactly. three FAQs <laughs> that's, that's all to I add to the page. <laughs> uh, but what's yeah, the so Wi-Fi password? Them... Yeah, what's, what's the Wi-Fi? Is it, it, well, that's a good question, though. Is Wi-Fi free? That's one of those things where if you look at our 2023 travel study, that was like one of the top items that people expect and help convert people from shoppers to bookers. So you, as they're going through that, make sure you're answering those questions. They're going to want to know if there's free Wi-Fi or there's a, a free drink at the bar if you know the secret Wi-Fi password, whatever it might be. Put that out there and make sure people know that stuff. Uh, and then integrate those without throughout the entire process. So if we know that people want to read reviews, inject reviews throughout your booking process. You, know, you may not necessarily be able to do that from a technical perspective on the booking engine, but you sure can do that on your uh, room index page, your room details page, your amenities and accommodations page. You can do all that kind of stuff there. Uh, 
one of the big things that we see as well is people are going to ask about that cancellation policy. Put that front and center if you have a great cancellation policy. If it says cancel any time up to 48 hours before arrival, that should be right there during that process so people do not have to leave, figure out what your cancellation policy is. You want to hit, hit all of those questions that are going to stop somebody from going down that conversion funnel and make it really, really easy for them to feel good about locking in their booking. And what would what, yeah. I say? 12% or like 7%? Seven. Seven. Yeah, I love this tip because I love helpful content and so does Google. Um, so the more helpful content you have on your site and whenever you're trying to rank for certain keywords, having more helpful content is going to be beneficial not only to your customer, but also to search engines, um, you know, based on just how valuable your content is or, you know, the value that you're also providing. Um, and so that's, that's another way of looking at it and, you know, getting those, those most often asked, those frequently asked questions from your front desk or maybe surveys that you're sending out or providing answers based on reviews that are being left and putting those on your website. So at the front and center. Yep. And if you don't know what those FAQs are, shame on you. You know, go, go talk to your guests, talk to your staff, compile that list, and then answer and answer everywhere. All right. Let's do uh, number six, 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 six. Number six, A-B testing your way to success. So we always say always be testing, which is ultimately how you'll end up increasing your site's conversion rate. And I think that A-B testing is a good way to incrementally increase your website's conversion rate. So you can run a variety of A-B tests all around your website, um, whether it is button placement or booking widget placement, or even if it's, you know, down to testing a variety of copy on the site. Um, You can kind of test anything. It can be time consuming or sometimes expensive, but there are uh, smaller tests that you can run that will still have an impact. Um, So I think the first thing to do would be to create a plan for the year. Um, What tests are going to have the most impact? Do those first. Um, And then kind of sprinkle in a few throughout the year, maybe do a large one and then a small one. And utilize your analytics and also the user testing that we just discussed to lead to more effective testing experiments. So from an analytics perspective, you can analyze the path that a user is taking and determine where they're bailing out. Um, Really take a close look at that page or that area and see, okay, why might they be bailing out? Is there something on this page that I can change? Let's test it. Does it does it make a difference? Does it actually improve my conversion rate? And if it does, then you can make that change permanently moving forward. Um, and then from a user testing perspective, obviously, you know, that's more straightforward than really digging into your analytics. And you can see Um, real notes from people that say, okay, hey, you should change this. Well, this is confusing. So let's test it and see how we can improve it, uh, whether it's on a mobile device or a desktop device or, you know, a different page. Um, But most importantly, take your opinion out of the process. So we kind of already mentioned that we're on these websites day in and day out and we might skip right over a bottleneck or a point of friction that someone else might just get stuck at. Um, So really Mm -hmm. let the data dictate what tests you're choosing to run and that experience that you're providing to the user. 
you really do need to make it scientific. And you mentioned before, like taking your opinion out of the process. It's always hard for you know us to tell a client, hey, we get what you're saying, but your opinion doesn't matter. And the reason is, is because the data says something different. You know, some people may just despise a certain color. Other people might not like, you know, different color fonts and things like that. And there's always little or tests even that you be can colorblind, do. like yeah, <laughs> and and not necessarily see the calls to action that you very clearly think stand out, yep. especially so, like links in in copy, um, are sometimes very difficult to see. Or you know, even down to testing the size of the font if it's too small for some people to read, um, mm-hmm. or if you have too much copy and people don't want to read it, maybe they're just skipping over it and missing the call to action completely. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a, one of those great tests, because if you do have, you know, a, a great room description that tells, answers all the people's questions, do you need to have a, a book now button at the top of that and the same button again at the bottom? So you can get the people who are like, you know what, I, I love this room. I'm ready to lock and load. Or does someone need to read a little bit more before they're able to make that booking? So only by looking at those pages, looking at your analytics to see where you may have a problem. And then you start testing from a scientific perspective versus just, hey, let's try changing this button from green to blue and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and I think there are a lot of, I mentioned expensive tests, but a lot of inexpensive tests you can do, like a few of the examples we just mentioned. Uh, it's just a matter of being proactive and going through the site and, and looking at the data. And should we shorten the copy here? Should we lengthen the copy here? Maybe you have a special offer and there aren't enough details for someone that wants to book it. Um, but then there are also tests that you can get with your agency or your web developer to set up that might be a little more of an investment, but the payoff is infinite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So always, it says always be testing ABT. Realistically, and I've always kind of, we've always said this, but it never really works. Theoretically, if you're AB testing enough, you practically never need a front end redesign. Because it should be evolving with the times. You know, you, you might have to fix your, you know, do a back-end redesign at some point. But if you're really going nuts with the testing process, your site is going to just evolve. You know, you rarely do you see Amazon say, oh, look, we launched our brand new website starting from scratch. You don't. You see, oh, look, they added this element. They took this away. They added this. They changed this to iteratively get to an amazing website. Well, let's go ahead and jump into the number seven item that we have, which is the last one. Number seven, 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 seven. Get proactive and engage your potential guests. So you're probably spending a lot of time and effort and money in driving guests to your website, but are you wasting it by not actually being proactive in driving bookings? Um, unfortunately, a lot of hotel websites are very passive in terms of taking orders or order takers and are not very effective at proactively selling a stay. Um, so this is one, you know, reducing doubt, um, as well as you know, providing chat systems, um, as simple as something like Olark, or as complex as an enterprise level solution uh, that can tie into your PMS. And those are incredibly effective at pushing chats uh, to users at the right time. Um, and then abandonment triggers or pop-ups uh, that can help overcome an objection before the user leaves the website or when a user does leave the site, do you have any sort of retargeting system um, in place uh, to find and bring that user back to a booking? 
Yeah, I mean, I think this is an important one because so often people are, I don't want to say hoteliers are lazy and I don't say people are lazy, but yeah, someone's doing some shopping and they learn about a room and they think they like it. But what are you doing to say, hey, you are at the point of that conversion funnel where you really should move forward. You know, can you have a, a triggered pop-up or a triggered chat that says, you know, hey, Jeremy, I see you're checking out the Angle Oceanfront. Would you like to know about our fall special or whatever it might be to get them into that process? And there are a lot of third parties that do this really well. So we have kind of talked about not reinventing the wheel. Let someone else do the work for you. If the product is affordable and you're able to improve your conversion rate and, you know, overall revenue, you know, look into those third parties and see what might work best for your website. Yeah. And they're also, I mean, I use Olark as an example. We're using that for one of our clients. Very easy to set up. It's got a nice, simple dashboard you can put in place in, in, in no time. Uh, but then there's some really cool ones that integrate in with your PMS that can really do a lot more personalization and have more of a chatbot type feature where there's an automated prompt that you can have start the communication. And then if that person needs help, hand them off to a real human. But uh, you know, either way, I would say dig into this part of it, <clears throat> you know, start getting into the actual sales side of the website versus just or being an order taker. Uh, particularly once they leave the website. You know, there's no reason that their web experience with you has to end when they leave your website. You know, there's great retargeting platforms. Google Ads alone can really do a phenomenal job of getting those people back to your website to book. Uh, so that's seven ways. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, crap. We skipped two percentages, and I also have a bonus number that I would like to add. Oh, so... Do you want to do your bonus number first or do sure. you want to first assign value? Okay. We have, you know, we're well over 100 now. So I think we just stopped yeah. counting. Okay. Um, so I think we would be remiss if we didn't mention the booking engine during this episode. It is specifically about doubling the conversion rate. Um, but I don't think that the title of the episode had website in it. So you have to obviously apply all of these tips to your booking engine as well. And you do have less control over the software, right? So you're paying someone else for your software and they may or may not take your concerns, suggestions, changes into consideration. Um, however, make sure you're using good software that takes all of these tips into account. Is it a fast booking engine? Are there clear calls to action within the booking engine? Um, are there areas of the booking engine that drive someone further down the funnel and ultimately uh, get them to the confirmation page? Uh, does that booking engine proactively test anything? Do they release you know, updates on the regular? Um, yeah, and so forth. And are they proactive? So does the booking engine have built in, quote unquote, like the third party options that we just discussed, such as little pop ups? Do they have features like that built in? Do they have a favoriting system, a compare functionality? Um, so, yeah, I think that that's a huge one that people don't consider. You can do everything in your power on your website. But if you get the user to the booking engine and you have a, a crap booking engine, they're not going to book. Well, it's funny you say that because we have a we ran into an issue recently. We noticed that there was like a 66 percent drop off in the conversion rate 
of people going to the booking engine and then getting to the confirmation page. And it was super bizarre. We're like, this doesn't make sense. They've already seen the rate. They've already seen taxes. Why didn't they check out? Well, we looked at the engine and we realized that the booking engine was having an issue with the credit card payment system. And the temporary solution was a, a modal or pop-up that would appear. And the pop-up just said credit card number, CVV name. And that was it. It wasn't branded in the same style as the hotel. So what people were doing is they would go there. They say, okay, I'm ready to book. And then they get this kind of shady looking pop-up. They're just like, ah, I don't know if I want to enter my credit card on this random pop-up that does not match the site. Well, <clears throat> one, we're looking at the analytics so we know something was going on. So you can immediately alert the client be like, hey, this looks like it would be an A-B test. And the answer is definitely not to do it. Because if you compare that to other sites that didn't have that, it was, those numbers didn't add up. So so really optimizing the booking engine, and I'm remiss for not having that on there. So that was definitely a good call, Alyssa. Yeah, I'm intelligent sometimes. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so those are the seven things and the one bonus item. Combined, that's going to be 173.2% improvement in your overall site conversion rate because we didn't <laughs> do the last few. <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. So in... in you know, we say that that's a kind of funny numbers, but the reality is, is that most hotels are converting well below 1% overall. And it's not a huge stretch to say, if I optimize my testing, if I improve my site speed, if I remove these roadblocks, that you can get that number up to 1.5%, 2%, whatever that number might be. It depends on the traffic that you're bringing in. Is that qualified traffic? And then are you doing a good job converting that traffic into to bookings? Yeah. And I would say if you have the data and your conversion rate overall is less than 1% at this point, there's a problem. So, you know, you should break it down and, and see where is that problem. Yeah. Yeah. By device type. I mean, it, it's, it's crazy. We still see where particularly booking engines are behind the curve and not like a little bit, like way behind the curve on the mobile experience. So, Look at what's happening. And, and if you're paying attention, you'll automatically improve your booking engine. Or your, I'm sorry, your booking experience. Just by simply realizing that, hey, you have a problem, you'll start fixing it on your own. But yeah, so do all that stuff. Have a whole bunch better conversion rate and then be happy. And so, then send your commissions to Pete. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we charge 3% for listening to this podcast. And you know, buy hitting play you've opted we in. want one percent <laughs> of yeah. every ten percent increase in conversion rate <laughs> i like it so one percent of every ten percent increase i don't know how then, we do that back, but, <laughs> listen to our analytics podcast where yeah. we talk about how to get your ga4 set up properly <laughs> and then you get the access to the Alyssa burping patreon yeah <laughs> i love it one beer that's but, uh, all it takes <laughs> yeah Oh, because you guys like wheat beer and stuff like that too, right? I do. I we yeah. no, we actually don't like wheat beer. Okay, I, I despise wheat beer. It makes me burp. I'm actually an IPA girl now. Good for you. Come a very long way. You start when you're young with sweet wine and Blue Moon and <laughs> nasty stuff, yeah. and now we like all the dry wines and the super hazy IPAs. <laughs> yeah, we're hipsters. So. Hey, that, it's not even hipster anymore. IPAs have been popular for so long. 
Jeremy, what's your uh, what's your uh, libation of choice? I go for the porch. I go for the porch pounders. Yeah, the ones that just go down easy yeah. and don't have to think about it being like a Miller, Miller Light or yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. No so, way, really. I was gonna say Jeremy was like a whiskey guy. Quiet, yeah, thoughtful. I, could see him like a bourbon. I mean, I would partake every now and then. Has something very <laughs> intelligent to say when the time yeah. is right. <laughs> the giant ice cube in my little cup. Yeah. I've seen Jeremy down some beers before. Yeah. He's a porch pounder. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> he comes out of a shell when he drinks. Yeah. I was excited because the, they started carrying more Dirty Myrtles, which is like my favorite IPA, which is by a, a local place called New South Brewery here. And those things are, they're good, but they're about 9%. They so. sneak up on you, yeah. That yeah. used to be one of Phil's favorites. <laughs> well, next time you guys are down, or I'll, I'll stick some in a box and send them out there to you guys. Because <laughs> it's good stuff. But All right. Well, that's, that's the, uh, the alcohol section of the podcast. I have a favor, though, for all the listeners. Back in, I think it was July, we released the 2023 Leisure Travel Trend Study. If you haven't gotten that study yet, go to travelboommarketing.com slash study, and you can download it. 46 pages of a lot of really good insights into what a traveler is looking for in today's time where there's economic shifts, there's different technologies out there, different ways of shopping. It does a really good job of giving you the tools that you need. But now we're going to shift it up a little bit. We're going to do a hotelier sentiment study and look at what the hotelier needs today. And then we'll be able to compare that with the hotelier needs We'll be able to compare that to what the traveler needs and see if we can find some ways to connect those dots. If we want to use a buzzword, we'll say we'll find synergies and then we'll shift our paradigms. I don't know. Those type of keywords. Anyway, so if you want to participate in that study, we really, really would appreciate it. All you have to do is go to travelboommarketing.com slash hotel survey. That's going to redirect you over to a survey link where we need about five minutes of your time. Fill that out. We'll understand better what the hoteliers are looking for. And by filling that out, we'll also make sure that you get early access to the full study once it comes out uh, toward the end of this year. So please do that. It would really appreciate it. Uh, from there, if you want, go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, episode 247 for the news links, the show notes, the link to the 2023 travel study, and a link to the 2023 slash four hotel your study where you can participate and be part of history. Yay. That sounds like fun. Let's all do it. If you guys want to find us, you can find us at travelboommarketing.com. We are on LinkedIn as well at slash company slash travelboommarketing. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? If they want to catch up with you, where would they, they go? Um, at Jeremy Rizuk. On, on LinkedIn at Jeremy Rizuk. So <laughs> yeah. I, got, I had a brain fart just now. Yeah. That's Lots of brain farts this episode. Yeah. Hopefully we'll edit some in so you guys get a good laugh. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Alyssa? I'm also on LinkedIn at Alyssa Fariska. All right. And same thing here, Pete.demeo on LinkedIn. You can find us there. With that being said, that kind of wraps up everything. We got a lot more episodes, and I'm really happy that we have jeremy and Alyssa and more of the gang on the show i think it adds a lot of value and enjoyment and it's not quite just so me talking so thank you guys so much for being on the show and hopefully listeners like it too all right well, i'm gonna shut it down we'll see you next week with more hotel tips and tricks to make you the best hotelier you darn well can be travel boom is out
One dollar for every time Pete says, with that being said. With that being said, I got. <laughs>